0: We are now deep into our study in the Sermon on the Mount. This morning we will begin chapter 6 where Jesus gives instructions about religious practices and about how we should think about our money. But I want to pause briefly and take just a moment for us to consider how difficult the Christian life can be. Um, this has been a challenging sermon series to write because literally every week, God has brought some new conviction into my life. Okay, so I'm I'm preaching to myself. In some ways, that's always true, but it's I've really felt it this time. So. Um, It is true that Jesus offers us mercy and freedom by his his blood. But the same Jesus who promises in Matthew 11 an easy yoke and a, a light burden, he also says a few chapters later that we must carry a cross and die if we follow him. John Newton, who is the writer of the hymn Amazing Grace, wrote these words in a letter uh, at the age of 51. He said this, he said, The life of faith seems so simple and easy in theory that I can point it out to others in a few words, but in practice it is very difficult and my advances are slow so slow that I hardly dare say I get forward at all. So, I know what I'm supposed to do, but sin is always at my heels. And even when I do the right thing, it often becomes a source of pride for me instead of an expression of my faith. Do you ever felt that way? In fact, Jesus in his demands in the Sermon on the Mount for self-reflection and repentance and faith, he's quick to warn us about our pursuit of righteousness. And that's where we're going to begin in chapter 6, verse 1. He says this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. No reward from your Father who is in heaven. I want you to look very closely at um, this first sentence. Verse 1. We can go back to it. Um, It says, first of all, I want you to notice there, there are... There are some who think that what Jesus is telling us to do is to keep our religion completely private. But that's not what Jesus says, okay? If you remember in chapter 5, Jesus commanded us to let our light shine before men. In other words, He actually wants us to practice our righteousness before other people, but... He doesn't want us to do it in order to be seen by them. In other words, it's not wrong to be seen doing good, but it is wrong to do that in order to be seen. You see the difference? And I'm going to explain this more as we come to the specific examples in the text. But that's the first thing. He's not telling us to keep our religion completely private. Second, I want you to notice that Jesus mentions a reward. and He's actually going to mention rewards exactly seven times, meaning that it must be really important. But to be honest with you, anytime I've heard the Sermon on the Mount preached or taught, I don't know that anybody's ever paid much attention to that word. And it raises a question. Is Jesus encouraging us to be good only to earn a reward? Okay, that's the second problem in this text, and it's going to become more clear as we read. But I wanted you to notice both of these issues. Okay, let's move on to verse two. It says, thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, we don't know if the religious leaders actually used trumpets to announce when they were giving. It would not surprise me because they made a spectacle out of everything they did. They wanted praise from men, and Jesus says, they already have that, but that's all they will get. There will be no further reward from God, and there's that word again, reward, so just take note of it. But notice also, Jesus says, when you give to the needy. He doesn't say, if you give, he says, when you give. So Jesus assumed that his disciples would give. In fact, he he expected them to give to those in need. Verse 3. But when you give, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So I want you to imagine a child on a playground. And this child is trying to get the attention of his or her mom or dad. Watch what I can do, mommy. Look at me. Look at me. Right? We've all seen this. The parent-child relationship makes that normal. That's a pretty normal experience for a parent and a child. But to everyone else, that quickly gets annoying. And I think that that is what Jesus is telling us. My Father in heaven cares about my giving, He sees my giving, and He's the only one who needs to see it. We don't need to be seen by everyone else. And our childish anxiety to get everyone's attention is not an expression of righteousness. It's annoying. And it takes the focus away from the relationship that matters most. God sees. And that should be enough. And again, take note Jesus mentions a reward. Verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. And truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Different example, same basic message, another mention of rewards. Again, notice that Jesus says when you pray, not if you pray. Right, When you pray, he's expecting us to pray. Verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, some people interpret this to mean that Jesus is forbidding us from praying in public, which means that what we just did 10 minutes ago was wrong. We shouldn't be doing it. And I don't think that's correct. Okay, I don't think that's the correct application of this verse for, for a few different reasons. So I'm going to try to convince you of this. The first is that public prayer was a part of worship in both the Old and New Testaments. There are also several occasions during the ministry of Jesus, when Jesus intentionally allows His disciples to see and hear Him praying, It's also worth mentioning that all the Greek words in verses 5 and 6 are singular, which tells me that Jesus is referring to personal private prayer. And we know that the religious leaders would often go out into public prayer places, not, not as a part of a worship setting, but just into public places and stand on the street corner and pray out loud, and they were obviously doing it to be seen by others as holy, and that is what Jesus is forbidding, okay? Now, we're going to skip verses 7 through 15 today. We're going to do it next Sunday. That is the Lord's Prayer And I want to give it a Sunday of its own. So next week, Lord's Prayer. But today, skip down to verse 16. It says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast... Anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay, so giving, praying, and fasting. These are the three religious practices that Jesus talks about. We know what he means by giving, we know what he means by praying. But most Christians today have no idea what fasting is all about. And so, uh, and it's because, frankly, we just don't talk about it much. Churches don't talk about it much. And notice again that that Jesus says, when you fast, he doesn't say if you fast. That's important. He's not discouraging us from fasting. In fact, I think Jesus expects that we will fast. To be honest, I should probably talk about it more often than I do because it is an extremely biblical practice and it can be very helpful in our growth as Christians. So what I want to do is I want to explain fasting, but let me first start by explaining what fasting is not, okay? Fasting is not a physical or psychological discipline, primarily. In other words, it is not a diet, okay? Um, the Bible encourages us to eat healthy, but that has nothing to do with fasting. That's not the point of fasting. It is also not a manipulative tool to use to get God to do what we want or to earn favor with God. Okay? God does not reward people just because they did a fast. All right, Jeremiah 14.12 says, Though they fast, I will not hear their cry. And though they offer burnt offering and grain offering, I will not accept them. Okay, so just because you're fasting doesn't mean God's going to give you what you want. So please don't try to use fasting for that purpose. Biblical fasting is a spiritual discipline. And here's the key. It always occurs with prayer. You may pray without fasting, but you can never fast without praying. Not in the Bible. Okay? So here's what fasting is. Here's a definition. It is abstaining from food in order to deepen our communication with God for a period of time. Our hunger is meant to remind us of our need of God, and that leads us to prayer. So, it is a a physical way of saying, Jesus is more important to me than food. Or, Jesus is more important to me than really anything that the world has to offer. But, apparently, there were people who would make it obvious they were doing a fast in order to get attention. Right? And again, this is childish behavior. So, imagine... Uh, a young child walking around with a pouty face. What do they want? Attention. Right? They want someone to ask, Oh, what's wrong, sweetheart? Right? Okay? So what Jesus is talking about is there are these people that would make themselves look pitiful. Right? Imagine a really, really hungry... Person. Like they would make themselves look like, like pitiful so that everyone would know they were fasting, right? Look at me, I'm doing something really good for God. And Jesus teaches us to avoid this. His childish behavior it has nothing to do with being His disciple. So again, giving, praying, fasting... Really, any of the ways that Christians practice our faith, those things can quickly become a show. That's the message. Are you just doing Christian stuff to be seen? People to just go, good job, Mike. Way to be a good Christian. Is that what this is about? And once again, Jesus encourages us to look at the heart. He's encouraging us to dig deeper. Just because other people think you're doing well, it doesn't mean you are. What does God think of you? A.A. A. Bruce summarizes the message of Jesus in this way. He says, we are to show when tempted to hide and hide when tempted to show. We are to show when tempted to hide and hide when tempted to show. And that's a challenge if we're going to be honest, right? Every single one of us, that is a challenge. But what is the primary concern of a follower of Jesus Christ? Is it the glory of God? Or is it the glory of Mike? I'll give you an example from this week. Earlier this week, I saw a need for something and I prayed about it. And it was just a quick prayer. Nothing special. Five seconds. I didn't... Beat my chest in labor over this prayer. I just threw it up in the air, right? Just quick prayer. Less than an hour later, someone called me with an answer to that prayer, very specifically. And it was very obvious to me that God had orchestrated the entire thing. I did not do anything except pray. And the truth is, I've seen God do things like this dozens of times over the last 20 years. And it would be easy for me, as your pastor, to make that story about myself. And some people do this, right? I could make it about me. I could, I could act like Pastor Mike has a really special connection with God. Aren't you glad I'm your pastor, Right? And, you know, it, it, that's not a stretch from how some ministers of the gospel act. It's not about me at all. And instead, I hope I tell a story like that in such a way that God is glorified. Because I want you to know that God answers prayer. And I can't, I can't tell you the story without being honest about what happened. But I don't want you to think about it as me. It's about God doing something amazing. Amazing. And He does it all the time. And we just don't ask. Now, I want to finish. I want to go back to this idea of rewards. Okay, so Jesus mentions God's rewards seven times. Okay, seven is an important number in the Bible, right? It's the perfect number, I guess, of some sort, something like that. And so I think we would be foolish to ignore this word, and yet, as I said, a lot of times I don't think when people are preaching this, they talk much about it. But what does Jesus mean? This is a little technical, but I I hope you'll follow with me, so stay with me, okay? On this question, I found that C.S. Lewis um, has a very helpful way of thinking about it. Lewis talks about two types of rewards. And they're called extrinsic and intrinsic rewards. An extrinsic reward is a gift that has no real connection to the thing you did, the action that you performed. Okay, So for instance, you go to the Mid-South Fair and you play the games to try to win the big, oversized, stuffed animal. All right? So we play those silly carnival games, not because we love the games, but because we want to get the giant stuffed animal, right? We just want the reward. And I'll toss the hoops on the ducks or whatever for, I mean, it's silly stuff, right? That's an extrinsic reward. The gift, the the reward has no real connection to what you're doing. Okay? But an intrinsic reward is something that we get that is connected to the action. For instance, two people fall in love and they are rewarded with a happy marriage. Okay? It's still a relationship. There's nothing really that's It, it's still about the relationship, right? There's a connection between the reward and the thing that you're doing. Or, for instance, a student works hard in high school and makes good grades and is rewarded with a scholarship. That's an intrinsic reward. A hunter patiently waits all season to get the trophy deer. So they're... There's a connection here between the reward and the action. In other words, we don't just do these things in order to be rewarded. We might actually enjoy the process and get something out of the process. You see the difference? And what I want to suggest to you is it would be wrong for us to think of the reward in Matthew 6 as being the grand prize in heaven. Just... Live this hard, grueling Christian life and do all the things and keep all the rules and pray and fast and give. And and then one day Jesus is going to give you the grand prize in heaven. That's actually an extrinsic reward. That's not what he's saying. Because Jesus is the grand prize. Because our reward is being more like Him. Because our reward is being with Him. Because our reward is seeing other people come to know Him. You see the difference? The things that we're doing, the religious practices, the living out of the Christian life. I'm not just doing a bunch of, I'm not playing carnival games to win the grand prize. This isn't just about getting to heaven. And if you think that's what Christianity is about, you're shortchanging yourself. Living the Christian life today is rewarding. Because He's here. He is with you. He knows you. He loves you. Someone's needs are being met. Someone is growing closer to Christ. We flourish as a result of our efforts. I want you to think back to my illustration from earlier. Okay, so you've got a child on a playground trying to get mom or dad's attention. But this time, the child does some maneuver on the... Monkey bars and he falls and scrapes his knee. in tears, the child looks up, and there's a stranger standing nearby, and the stranger sees the child crying and says, "Come to me, little boy, I'll kiss it and make it better." What's the child going to do? <coughs> He's going to scream and run as fast as he can to, to mom or dad, right? Why? Because a child doesn't want comfort from a stranger. He wants comfort from a trusted parent. It's not what, as a parent, it's not what we say or do in that moment that really matters. It's much more... To do with who we are. that The child trusts me. The child knows me. There's a relationship. You see the difference? That is the kind of relationship that Jesus wants His disciples to have with His Father. We're, we're down here busy thinking that me doing Christian stuff is is earning me a, a greater reward or something and our religious practices matter only in the sense that they bring us closer to the father that is the reward and brothers and sisters in Christ we already have his attention why are we so anxious he sees us He's the only one that needs to see us. In other words, Jesus is inviting us to enjoy the kind of relationship that He has with His Father. And it's perfect. And it's everlasting. And that's going to be even more clear next week as we study the Lord's Prayer. But this morning, we come to the Lord's Table. and the lord's table is for us a religious practice right it's a we call it a sacrament which is a really religious sounding word that just means it's something that jesus gave us to help him understand who he is and it is a practice we're going to come around the table we're going to eat it together we're going to drink the cup very simple Very full of meaning, right? It points us to His death and burial and resurrection. It points us to our union with Christ. It tells us that He is the one who fills us and feeds us when we're hungry. It is a a profession of faith in and of itself. The reason we ask you not to come if you're not a Christian is because you'd be Saying that you are by taking it, right? But but this table is one of the ways that we connect with God in a very real meaningful way. He invites us to it. It belongs to Him. And He invites us as brothers and sisters in Christ to come and gather around and and be blessed by him it's about that relationship it's not like it's not like magic right it's not like you come and i take this and god's going to bless me right that's not that's not what the point of it it's it's more about by faith i believe that he is with me you see the difference Intrinsic, not extrinsic. And so um, in just a moment, I'll invite you down in groups. We stand around the table. We take together and pray and then, and then sit down. Um, if you have young children that haven't professed faith yet, bring them with you, but don't let them eat it yet. They need, they need to know Jesus. They need to profess faith. You can talk to them about it afterwards. Um, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for uh, this table. We thank you for your promise of reward, and I pray that you would help us to know that reward is you. It is. It is our relationship with you. It is all the blessings that come from knowing you and your Father, that come from the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would um, bless us now as we take this table together, as we enjoy this meal in faith, and as a body that is united in Jesus Christ. We pray these things in His name. Amen.